I want you to turn in your Bible, please, to the book of Isaiah, chapter 61. At the time of recording, this is our, we're continuing our holiday weekend, bank holiday tomorrow. And uh, there's, a, there's a jolly feeling in the house. I want to read uh, Isaiah 61 to you. And we're going to do something a little bit different because we're going to read all of it instead of what's no, what normally happens is just the, the kind of the popular bit at the, at, at the head. Isaiah, inspired by the Lord, writes these words. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Aliens will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast. Instead of their shame, my people will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance. And so they will inherit a double portion in their land. And everlasting joy will be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and iniquity. In my faithfulness I will reward them and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the young plant come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. Father, in Jesus' name, may you bring revelation, power, may you bring the anointing of the Spirit, may you Release your word into this place. 
by your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I noticed something. I just was reading this over this weekend. And I noticed something about this this chapter that I just hadn't spotted before. And that happens a lot, doesn't it? You see something, you think, I know this, I know this passage very well, but yet I've not seen something in it before. Uh, and I want to share some of those ideas. We know that Isaiah 61 was a big passage for Jesus, don't we? In Luke chapter 4, he goes into the synagogue, there's given to him the scroll, and he does something wonderful, he finds himself in the text. Did you ever think of it like that? He, he's reading it, and as he's reading it, the Holy Spirit is saying to him, that's you. This applies to you. And we need to do that too. We need to unravel the scroll of God. And if you join us this year on our, on our quest to read the Bible, you start to not only read the Bible, but you'll start to find yourself in the text. Can you say amen? You'll see yourself in it. God will reveal things about him, and he'll reveal things about you. Some of the things about you you're going to like, some of the things about you you're not going to like, but it's all going to be good. It's all going to be good. Isaiah 61 was, was very important to Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, bring recovery of sight to the blind, release for the captives. It was important. So Jesus knew this chapter really well. But here's the thing I noticed about it when I looked at it over this, these last few days. So much of the chapter is to do with emotional well-being. When we think of the anointing of God, the power of God, and signs and wonders as well, we can tend to think of that in terms of physical recovery, miraculous physical recovery from problems that people have. And I shared a story earlier, earlier today. God heals people. Amen? God heals people. God by his grace, can heal people today, here. Why not start off the year a bit healthier than before? So God does heal people, and Jesus did miracles like blind eyes opening and deaf ears opening and lame people walking. You know that. But here's something else. Emotional well-being is, is right at the heart of this chapter. A few examples, I just typed them up. Look at these. He's come to bind up the brokenhearted, to bring people out of the darkness. He speaks of those who mourn in Zion. Those who suffer, they, they have sackcloth, you see, in the verses, don't they? They have sackcloth and ashes. They might be physically tip-top, but emotionally, they're down. They're broken. 
Isaiah 61 is almost, it's almost like it's a prophecy in the middle of a funeral. Because they're all in sackcloth and ashes. They're all grieving in Zion. And this prophecy that comes right into the heart of a funeral uh, atmosphere promises restoration and, and healing. There are other thoughts here. There, some are in despair, shame, and disgrace. And what amazes me about that? And it shouldn't amaze me, but it just does. That God seems to care at the very deepest level about the very deepest level of us. There are plenty of people, if, if somebody walked through the door now, or came through the back, and they were on, I don't know, crutches, then they, they attract attention. Oh, we can see something's wrong with them. A blind person has a guide dog or a stick. We can see something's wrong with them. But there are other problems that people have that are not so obvious, is that right? Inside the heart. Where they're broken inside. They're not necessarily attending a funeral except they're attending their own. All the time. Hopelessness. What do we do from here? Will my life ever get any better. And I want to say to you today, if you feel in a scenario of hopelessness, you need a miracle as well. Not just the guys on sticks or death or with cancer. You need a miracle as well. And Isaiah 61 promises you that miracle. God promises to heal the brokenhearted. There is more of a surety if you even want to compare them. But there's more of a surety that God wants to heal emotional problems than physical ones. But he does heal physical problems. And God knows. That's this amazing thing. You may be in a scenario of depression. You may be in a, by the way, and I want to say, I've said it many times, but I want to say it again because we're at the beginning of a new year. At King's Church, you're allowed to be depressed. You don't have to pretend you're not. Right? At King's Church, you're allowed to be ill. You don't have to pretend that you aren't. Because we might think you're not full of faith. Don't walk through the door going, I'm absolutely fine. If you're not, oh, we can talk about God's goodness. But we're not 
not, we're not into the pseudo. And it's okay to be down. It's okay to be downhearted as long as you know that the solution is going to be found in the anointing of the Spirit of God. And God knows. God knows where you are. I, I, I don't mean in your chair. But in your heart, God knows where you are. God knows when you're sad. And he wants to heal. And I'm not the angel Gabriel. How many of you know that? Well, that was just one. But she spoke for many. Now, I'm not the angel Gabriel, but I am the messenger of God now. And I want to tell you this. That God wants to heal people of emotional heartache. And let this be the year of the favor of the Lord. In Isaiah 61, he speaks about people in the darkness. And some people find themselves in such emotional turmoil, they are truly, truly, truly in the darkness. It's a dark, dark place. And these dark places happen for Christians as well as non-Christians. These dark places happen to spirit-filled, speaking in tongues, singing a song, dancing around Christians, as well as those who aren't like that. Right? And God wants to heal. God sees the invisible pain of the heart and it is important to him. Jesus' favorite chapter of the Bible was about God speaking to a funeral and saying, I'm going to comfort you. I'm going to bind up your wounds. I'm going to heal the brokenhearted. And I'm going to bring you out of the darkness that you are in. Oh, sure. The darkness refers to the darkness of sin, the darkness of unbelief, the darkness of rebellion, absolutely. But there's other kinds of darkness too. So what I want to do, just for a few minutes, is just look at, as we go through this chapter, what is God's solution? Because God is going to do it, but as always... Sometimes something is required of us. And it's about how does God bring us out of such dark places. Well, the first one is very, very simple. He does it with power. Supernatural restoration. I believe that Jesus Christ has the power not only to cure heart disease, but to heal a broken heart as well. 
And in fact, the healing of a broken heart could be seen to be the greater of those two miracles I just mentioned. Maybe it's a greater thing to give someone hope who's in hopelessness than to miraculously hasten the healing of their broken wrist. Maybe it's a greater miracle to cure someone of their depression than it is to cure someone of their migraine. And of course it's folly to compare them. But I want you to know that the anointing of the Spirit of God is, I feel like I, I feel like I want to say he's going to come and he's going to come and do this. I feel like he's going to walk around this room this year and he's, and, and he's going to do this. Bringing people out of the darkness. Turning their, their sadness into joy. Breaking the spirit of despair. Never has there been an uglier turn of phrase in the Bible. So he's going to do it with power. Secondly, he's going to do it with purpose. Here's something really interesting. In verses 1 to 3, have your Bible open please. In Isaiah 61, in verses 1 to 3, he talks about how he's going to bring his anointing. How he's going to heal. He's going to release the prisoners. He's going to comfort These are all the things that God is going to do. We do not do them. God does them. He comforts. He provides, verse 3, for those who grieve. We don't do this. He does it. He's going to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. In the ancient world, that would have been a turban, by the way. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And then verse 4. Look, look. Look what happens then. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Verse 6, you will be called priests of the Lord, ministers of our God. Look what he does. Look what he does to the brokenhearted. He employs them. He employs them. He gives them work to do. Now, to some of you, that may not sound like great answer to prayer. Well, if God wants to come and comfort me, I think maybe a few weeks uh, on the beach would be comforting. A brief lottery win, not that I play. I want you to know I do not do the lottery, but my mother does. Joking aside, money didn't seem to make too many people very happy anyway. 
Lord, if you want to comfort me, I think a nice break would be good. Look what he does to them. Yes, he brings his power, but then he brings purpose. You've probably had the same experience that I've had. Many of the people who've had a rough time in life, do you know what they want to do? They say, I want to get better so that I can help other people who've been through what I've been through. You ever heard someone say that? People who have mental breakdowns want to recover so they can become support workers for other people. People who've had accidents want to become physicians and medics and nurses so they can help other people. Look what God does here. He says, okay, you who are downcast, I'm going to cure you. You're going to be wonderfully touched by my anointing and joy is going to come into your midst and that joy is going to propel you to have a purpose and you're going to work for me. And look what they do. They rebuild the ancient ruins. That does not sound like blessing to me. That sounds like a whole load of work. That sounds like a building site. But that's what God says. You're going to rebuild the ruins. You're going to make an impact on the generations. We see the same thing in the story of Elijah. When he becomes depressed... In 1 Kings, that whole story, chapter 17, 18, 19, he runs up a mountain because he's depressed. Oh, I just want to die. Sits on the mountain, depressed. The Lord appears to him. And what does the Lord do? Give him a holiday? No. He says to him, get back to work. Go down the mountain, anoint this one, go do this. Some of you sitting here today, you feel like you're in the darkness, you feel like you're in mourning, but arise, my sister, arise, my brother, because the Lord's going to touch you and then he's going to use you. And you're going to find out that the work of the Lord involves work. I just want to work for the Lord. Do you? Because it involves work. But it's work that touches the next generation. Number three, provision. Verses six and seven, God talks about what he's going to do. He says to them, after they've been called priests and ministers, he says, you will feed on the wealth of nations. Maybe that great, great uncle in Africa is real then. Maybe I really have inherited several million pounds. Maybe not. You will feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast. Instead of their shame, my people will receive a what? They'll receive what? A double portion. And instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance. And just in case we didn't get it first time, he says this, and so they will inherit a what? In their land. An everlasting joy will be theirs. I've been so mindful in all my teaching ministry 
should be really careful whenever I talk about the topic of wealth and prosperity. I've been very careful because I'm aware that many preachers take promises and examples from the Old Testament and try to apply them through into the New Testament. So they, they always speak about King David and his great wealth and Abraham and his wealth and Job and his wealth. And how many, you know, golden rings the lady had through her nose and you can have the same? No, I don't fancy that. Jane, if you ever show up with a golden ring in your nose, I'll be looking up cash my gold straight away. I always think that's a bit funny. They send you an envelope with cash my gold on it. And you put it in the post. If I was a postman, I wouldn't be thinking, what's in here? Yes. Now, I've always been careful about this. Because I'm aware that while David had a whole load of money, Paul didn't. I'm aware that while Job may have had lands and cattle and sheep and whatever, Peter and John said, silver and gold have I none. They didn't have anything. They left what they had to follow Jesus. So we want to find the balance. But it's not balance to stay completely in the realm of silver and gold have I none. Because here's the good news. I'm not the angel Gabriel, but I'm telling you this. In 2011, prosperity is going to come to many. Many. And God's promise is that. That those who are downcast, those who feel hopeless, those in the darkness, they come out of the darkness, they receive the touch of God, they go to work for Him, they find purpose, and they find provision. Provision. Provision and prosperity are not the same. Provision is what God promises throughout. Prosperity comes to many, but provision is for sure yours. I know this God is no man's debtor at all. As you have sown, as you have sown, as you have sown, God is going to bless. He's going to bless. And you might get to the point where you can't sow fast enough for God to return. And I know there are some here who have over years faithfulness of giving, faithfulness even the little they had they gave. May 2011 be a real turnaround year. We're not seeking for wealth. We're not seeking for gold. But may the God of all provision be your God. He says you're going to inherit a double portion. That means, by the way, that they're going to be family. They would be inheritors. The firstborn son received a double portion of all the others. You will feed on the wealth of nations. And then, praise. Praise. Verse 10 says this, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. For he's clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. I want to talk to everyone who's in the darkness now.
to everyone who mourns and grieves in Zion now. Do not lose your song. Can I say that again? Don't lose your song. Right in the midst of their funeral. You understand, don't you, that God hasn't done it yet. This chapter is the announcement of it. God had not done it yet. They were still grieving. They were still mourning. They were still gripped by a spirit of despair. And yet this is their testimony. Verse 10. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. I feel like we ought to sing that, but we won't. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation. And arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. That was their song. God hadn't done it yet. But we know this, don't we? That that's those who encircled Jericho City. Gave a shout of praise. The walls fell down. We know that as David played his harp. The demons fled from King Saul. We know that as Paul and Silas worshipped God, their chains fell off and the prison wall fell down. In 2011, let's have a new song. Now, I don't mean a new song for Matt Redman or Darlene, although God bless them. I don't mean that kind of new song. But let's have a new song. It's time to hear you worship God. My soul rejoices in the Lord. Rejoices in the Lord. Hallelujah. So they had power promised to them. Purpose given to them. Provision. Praise. I've called it a song of faith because sometimes we have to sing and it hasn't happened yet. That's not the same as pretending it has happened. I say my hope is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. And finally, guess what letter it begins with? Yeah. Purity. A number of time, times through the chapter, the word righteousness appears. They will be called oaks of righteousness, verse 3. Verse 10, he has arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. Verse 10, and then verse 11, as the soil makes the young plant come up and a garden causes seeds to grow. So the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. I want to tell you, you who grieve in Zion today, that the spirit of the Lord is on this house and a hundred other houses in this city too. But the Spirit of the Lord is on this house. 
enabling us to preach the gospel to the poor. But also to bring freedom to captives. Recovery of sight for the blind. The release from prison of those who are incarcerated. To bestow beauty for ashes. The oil of gladness instead of a spirit of despair. It is the Lord who will accomplish it.